Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, it's Saturday morning. The shorts are up, the mouth guard is in, and the oranges are cut. That means it's time for Chris Taylor and HG Nelson to hook into a winning grin on We Was Robbed. Good, good morning. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but uh, in my neck of the woods, it's an absolutely beautiful uh, morning, and I uh, hope it is where you are. Uh, wakey, wakey, rise and shine. And before we get into the show, uh, HG, I just want to say a big thank you to Mavis for one of the best mid-dawns I think she's put together here at Kindling. Like, just, I mean, she's the unsung hero here at Kindling, Mavis. She just works the mid-dawn shift so well, and gee, she had some tunes. Tunes! <laughs> Incredible range of tunes. Look, I never thought I'd hear... Um, you know, living on a prayer, followed by Eye of the Tiger, followed by uh, Toto's uh, Africa. Africa. The, but that was a great segue, yeah. and the trifecta there was yeah. just tremendous. And then when she played him again, I think she played him about two o'clock in the morning, yeah. and then played him again at four yeah. o'clock. Well, she I kept getting just, requests. I know. I was rubble. <laughs> I was absolutely rubble. And Big for, thank you to Mavis, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch in with her again uh, sometime next week. Well, tonight she's yes, back, tonight. isn't she? Mm. Seven nights. Does she a week. sleep during the day? Yeah, she does have a bit of a kit, but she's, you know, she's married off, to her art. She is. She's off. You find her in, like, second-hand record shops, just going through the vinyl, That's wondering right. what can I play next? Where can I find some Cliff Richard? And then the problem of getting the vinyl into the system is always <laughs> yeah. extremely difficult. But if anyone and can do it, Mavis, Mavis can. can. And she brings in her own turntable and yep. just slaves it up, and away she goes. Powers it by cycle. She actually She's pedals right. during the shift to That's get the turntable right. to go around. That's right. And it's a steel needle for those interested. Uh, absolutely. Now, look, plenty on uh, We Was Robbed today. This is the sports show here at Kindling. And just before we get into the uh, the more the, the nitty-gritty of the Paralympics and uh, a few other fishing, obviously, and rugby league, uh, some sports results just overnight, HG. Uh, well, a spoiler alert here if anybody was out last night and didn't see the matches. Uh, the uh, Dogs have beaten the Hawks, I think, by about 23 points. And in another... Uh, Classic, they're calling it already. Uh, cows have <clears throat> uh, finished the Broncos season by about six points. So that was an absolute ripper, the Cowboys-Broncos match. Uh, play, I just think described as the fastest game of rugby league ever played. That's right, the fastest game of rugby league ever played. And, uh, of course, the Hawthorne uh, team, going back to the AFL for a minute, uh, in the third quarter, the premiership quarter, uh, when the match had to uh, really kick into extra time, so to speak, the, the Bulldogs ran away from the Hawks quite easily and put on about six goals to one in that quarter, and that was the end of the match. That was all she wrote. Hawks had a go in the last quarter, but got it back to 23 mm. points. So that's the results yep. overnight. Now, uh, in the uh, flap today, we're also uh, going to be taking a look at Orient. Now, I don't know if you've done this at school, but um, it's where you get your compass out and you're sent into a forest and you, <laughs> and you some make it, some don't. Uh, we're going to talk to a young champion uh, from junior orienteering. Uh, all that and more coming up on Kindling Kids Radio. We Was Robbed is a hot bar for the bruisers after the full-time hooter on Kindling Kids Radio. And now it's been a little bit remiss of us here in Robbers Land not to shine a, a brighter light on uh, Australia's Paralympic efforts, which have been phenomenal, HG, haven't they? Um, it's Like we were just saying a bit off air, it's been a little hard to find. Uh, no credit to Channel 7 here for their attempts to bury the Paralympics on some of the minor channels uh, in, their, in their suite of channels. But uh, look, if you do uh, unearth, unearth it somewhere hidden there, it might be on 7Mate or 7.2 or one of those, you're in for an absolute trick because there's just been some stunning performances. What's caught your eye in the Paralympics this year? Well, uh, look, it's just been a terrific, a terrific, um, what would I call it, you know, 
fortnight, not quite a fortnight, terrific seven days of competition. But let me say before we come to Australian uh, success, uh, the 1500 metres for visually impaired athletes Paralympics run, I think, on Tuesday night or Tuesday our time. The first four finishers beat the gold medal time sent for the, set for the able-bodied Olympics. Uh, Abdul Latif Bakar won in, an, in this incredible T13 class. He uh, set a record of 48.21. That's uh, 48 seconds. Uh, uh, 48 seconds. 48.29 seconds, should I say, if I could get my mouth to work. Uh, now, that was three minutes 48.29 that he won in. He held off a late charge by Ethiopian Demise, who took silver in 3 minutes 48.49, and then Kenyan Kirua, uh, 3 minutes 49.59, and then another Bakar came fourth. That's his brother. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Fayoud Bakar in the 3 minutes 49.84. So the first four beat uh, Matthew Centrovitz's time of 3.50 in the able-bodied Olympics. And I've always said wow. that the real stars of athletics are in the Paralympics for a whole heap of reasons, not the not the least of which apparently in the 3.50 run by Centrovitz in the able-bodied games, a lot of tactics were going on which slowed the time up, unlike the Paralympics where they just go out there and blast off and uh, try and get it done as quickly so as they can. So that's the difference. So, like, you know, some people might be listening going, well, hang on, if they're faster than the able-bodied, why aren't they competing at the traditional Olympics? It is, I think, the explanation to that, as you alluded to, is there's tactics in the 1500 where a little bit like, I can't, I think it's called the pursuit in, in cycling, where there's a bit of cat and mouse. Now, obviously, they don't go to a standstill like they do in that in the athletics, but they do sometimes just slow the pace down for tactical reasons but, and then leave some, uh, well, something up their sleeve to come home strong. So... Would the able-bodied athletes be able to run a faster time than what we saw in the Paralympics? They just chose not to in Rio this Games. Correct. That's absolutely right. The the as I understand it, the the you, they try and break up the field by spurts and by uh, jockeying for yeah. positions and getting themselves each runner getting themselves in the best possible position. And apparently, the breaking up of the field, the spurting fast and slow, is the key thing that uh, breaks them up. Whereas you th- imagine because of the visually impaired nature of the Paralympics uh, competition that they, as I said, they just go flat out and try and get it done as quickly as possible. But so they're almost like running four 400s, just, just sprinting the whole thing. Yes, they'd go as quickly as they could. Um, now, that's a really interesting question because there must be tactics involved in it. And, and they'd still have a sense of where their competitors are. Even though you can't see them, you'd certainly feel them and hear them. Uh, you would. So you'd think there could be an element of tactics in the race? Yes, and they must know exactly where they are, as in uh, one lap, two lap, three lap, oh, yeah. and positions as well. And how would you like to be in the Bakar household to have two boys who could run the uh, 1,500 metres within, let's see, I can't do the maths quickly enough, about a second of each other? It's yeah. a hell of a thing, wow. isn't it? Now, um, one thing I've been taking with HG, uh, with, with the blind running, um, is that a lot of them have guides. Uh, we saw Australia took gold in the women's marathon, a tremendous effort, and um, crossed the line there with an able-bodied uh, guide, obviously there to give instructions about direction, um, probably where other competitors are, all that kind of thing. Are they, I mean, I don't know much about this, but the guy, how, what sort of relationship does a runner have with their guide? Is it Can they just pick someone up that morning and go, hey, you've got to spare two hours to run a marathon with me, or are they part and parcel of the team from like 10 years out? 
Now, that's an excellent question, and I'm not the best person to answer it. But as I understand it, the guide and the runner have to have a almost symbiotic relationship, and you can get that quickly. Uh, Michaeli Jones was running with an athlete they call the animal, and I've got to look up her name, right. won gold in the triathlon. But they had come together as a partnership relatively recently, but they were very, you could tell, I was lucky enough to be doing an interview with them, and uh, that you could tell that they got on very well and were very closely, um, you know, able to G each other up and, you know, say, come on, do this, mm. uh, go quicker, don't, don't celebrate till you get to the blue carpet, all this sort of stuff. Others, I think, take a long time to develop this relationship, and it's a very close thing where I'm not sure exactly what the mechanics of it are. Right. Um, it's easy to see that, say, in the tri- triathlon, Michaeli Jones is on the front of the bike, tandem bike with the animal on behind. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the swimming, very short swim in um, the, the visually impaired triathlon, um, long run, long bike ride. So there's a lot of geeing up and trying to keep the person, uh, you know, the, focused on the task at hand, if that's the, is, if that's the difficulty. Now, the guide gets a medal. Guide gets a medal right. as well as the... So they're regarded as, as an equal. Yes. And... Very common to have, uh, a, but as you point out, very common to have a, uh, a what would I call it, a, a settling in period to see whether this guide's useful yeah, right. or not. Um, obviously, there's a lot of competition, world championships, and national titles and so on, where you could uh, work out that the person that you were running with was an appropriate helper. And does the guide have to be a human? Or could you... Have you oh. seen any dogs? Or I, it, I thought you, you, you know, we're both very keen on artificial intelligence. Yes. Oh, well, you could. Sort <laughs> yeah, of, I'm worried that that'll take over in a big way. Uh, that in fact, the robots doing the marathon in Paralympics in Tokyo or something. That, yeah, as, as well, as that, that yeah. would be a, a classic thing for Tokyo to get involved in. Oh, well, they love their robots. Yeah, they, they do. do. In they fact, do. they'll probably have a separate <laughs> robot games. <laughs> they, they don't worry, that's already there, I'm sure. Um, no, I think that I think uh, robotics will become a part of it. Um, what I'm always amazed by is the technology that that comes to the Paralympics. You know, you, I was watching a archer during the week, and the archer was telling again through interview was telling me that. He doesn't have the strength to pull the bow back in the conventional manner, so it's counterweighted, so he only has to apply a modest amount of strength to oh. it. So, But this was an elaborate piece of technology. Yeah. But people in the caper might think, oh, no, that's very simple. But to my eye, yeah. it looked completely elaborate because he could hold it there perfectly balanced as though it was effortless carbon fibre, mm. of course, and all that sort of stuff, counterweighted. I think he was saying it was... And don't quote me on this, a tiny amount of force that he had to apply to pull it back. And, of course, you've seen uh, the prosthetic legs and... Oh, one and of the, the blades and all in that. fact I mean, the lad who better was, and better, don't they? they do and the lad who was on uh, when we talked uh, uh, just a fortnight ago uh, in the, the triathlon, triathlon who said that he had a leg for each each almost, leg each, ah very yeah. good yeah. no pun intended no yeah no it is yeah that's right he's got a blade for the running and a, and a, a straight one leg for the cycling yeah and then nothing for the swimming that's right he goes au naturel look with these guides that's is there a way we can get guides into other sports um, even people without disabilities um, you mean like rugby league? Rugby league. I'm thinking if well, obviously they could use a chaperone, if, you know, Mad Monday style. Well, but even on the pitch, could they get someone like? Because you know, sometimes they get a bit woozy if they take a, a tackle ah. up high. Could they just bring a guide on to say, okay, there's there's a, someone coming up to tackle you now. Good idea to pass to your right, or that kind of thing. Because I think I'd love to see more guides in sport. Right. That's a really interesting idea. You mean you could, uh, if you had somebody concussed, you could. 
measure how concussed they were. Do they need a guide? Do they need a guide? And could the guide be dialed to the appropriate level of concussion? Also, the guides in sort of Oculus Rift style, (laughs) you know, that they because let's face it, uh, a lot of people when they get concussed don't remember a thing about the what happens after the concussion. So in the Mm. old days, a lot of rugby league players have played in grand finals and they can't remember a thing about it. Probably same in AFL. Yeah. Uh, but now, because of the code of concussion, you know, having to remember the recipe of Anzac biscuits and all that sort of stuff to prove that you're not concussed, um, and, you know, simple questions like, who's the Prime Minister of Australia? That's the tricky one. You know, what am I doing? Where am I? etc. and the Anzac recipe. Uh, well, now they've got a much better handle on how concussed a player is. Mm. So, And the protocols are fairly strict because, as we know, getting belted in the head isn't very good long-term. Uh, so the idea that you could somehow marry a, a guide to the level of concussion is a is an intriguing yeah. idea. I'm, I'm sort of a bit put out by the idea that the guide also needs to be at a level of concussion to be sympathetic to the person. I think they need to be reasonably have their wits about them. The guides. The guide needs to have their wits about them, <laughs> as do the rest probably. But just, yeah, just sort of give, you know, pointers... Also, um, but also well, just to be a friend. A friend, what a lovely uh, idea. I don't think there's enough friends out on the paddock. No, in and the dream room. In the, you know, sometimes you, you feel like, oh, the opposition's against me, my own teammates are against me. Sometimes you just want someone to talk to That's out true. there. So the guy can not only give sort of, you know, um, practical advice on where to run, where to run, where to pass, but can also just be there for a pastoral chat. If you're having, <laughs> if you're having any, you know, self-esteem issues or any of that kind of thing, I don't think we're looking after our players enough. No, well, that, what a lovely idea because one of the topics we'll be dealing with this later, this, um, this hopefully in the next two hours, is the problem of how, the highs and lows of rugby league and what to do about them. Mm. Uh, you know, and and a pastoral chat seems to be the way that the Penrith Panthers are solving it by coming together uh, in groups. And talking about the issues with the help of the person upstairs. Yeah. And uh, speaking of these things, I mean, the highs and lows are, are just uh, lovely caught this week uh, in the manner of the lock for the Cowboys, uh, Jason Tamalo, uh, Tamalolo. Uh, he was charged by the police for hiding in some bushes and throwing eggs at passing cars. Mm. That was tu- and then that was last week. And on Tuesday night, he was voted by his peers as the best player in the game this season. That's the <laughs> beauty of rugby league. Redemption yeah. and crime beautifully caught there. I mean, go through the mind of a young, fit cow mm. uh, thinking, well, free range, yep. or do I just go and get a... Dozen off the shelf, or a couple of dozen the off the shelf. ones. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and how? What cars are we going to aim at? Yeah. Are we going to have a go? At, you know, Mazdas. <laughs> and is it a competition? Yeah. How many Mazdas or how many how punch bugs? Yeah. Can you that's, get it on the badge of the car or on right. the, drive, the driver's scoring? Line? scoring? Yeah. Is there a system of scoring? And then, of course, the cops tap him on the shoulder and listen, buddy. What are you doing here? You're a rugby league player. I know that. Now put the eggs away, buddy, and yeah. come down. Yeah. And then the next night, glittering star started. You know, all the greats there. Mm. You know, past greats, past great eggers, as well as past greats, <laughs> and. Uh, the name read out, and the winner is Jason Tamalolo. Oh, well, it's a redemptive game, well, it is, isn't it? But you know when he got home later that night. More eggs? More eggs. That was the Foghorn of Football Fun on the pirate ship. We was robbed. All aboard! Uh, yes, uh, on Kindling this morning. HG, how are you going with the screen-free challenge? Oh, um, it's incredible. I haven't looked at anything, well, for about four months month, now. Yeah, four months. Uh, four months, yeah. No, look, I... I Life, went, life's 
just improved tenfold, <laughs> isn't it? Right. I had to. It took me a while to give them up, but um, you know, once I once I got rid of the television, that was the that was the last straw, really. Mm. My smart TV does most of my work now. Uh, you know, I, it's just so smart. It's just incredible. The thing it will do is say filter out Bruce McAvaney out of a uh, AFL call. Wow. I've got a hunt with Bruce at the moment. Uh, Bruce, of course, for those who follow these things, loves commentating on Dennis's call. So it's in the middle of the call, he'll say... He calls the call. He does. Great call, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, that gives me... I, I've just got to throw another brick at the television. Uh, you Wouldn't know, that be great? I've had to put wire yeah. up in front of the television. Yeah. Yeah. You know, chicken wire, so I can mm. the bricks bounce off the chicken wire and it doesn't ruin the image. But what I'd love to see in the future is no calling of the football at all, just Dennis... And Bruce talking about the call. what, yeah, what we'd be calling if we yeah. were calling, and how good it would be. Oh, right! Wouldn't it be good to get Dennis, Bruce, and Rabs in, in a room, room and just to call each other, whatever they're doing? Bruce takes a glass of milk, drinks <laughs> it. Yes. <laughs> yes, great call, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Should I say great call, great. Rabs? Now, um, um, I've been, um, I've got a bit carried away with the screen sheet free challenge. How far have you gone? Well, I've been going down to Harvey Norman and the good guys and just demolishing TV sets. Have you? you know, yeah, just trying to eradicate screens. Just egging? Yeah, <laughs> bit of egging. How do you get on with that? Do they... Oh, the cops have become involved a couple <laughs> yeah, of times. Right. I, so kids, don't. that's going too far. You uh, don't, don't need to be aggressive towards a screen. Just put it aside, if you want or not. No. Now... Look, metal tally. Uh, metal tally at the Paralympics. How are the Aussies doing? Well, look, earlier in the week, the South Pacific nightmare, which, as you know, is my big problem, is that's the New Zealand beating Australia. You're reading this on a screen? I am, yeah. sadly. <laughs> yes. It's all right. Yeah. Yes. The next mic break, we can go screenless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look... Um, I was concerned. Uh, in fact, I think at one point Australia and New Zealand were neck and neck, but now Australia scooted away and Australia at the moment has 17 gold medals and New Zealand, for those keeping score, has nine. Uh, so I think Australia's comfortably seen off the challenge uh, from New Zealand, but China, 90 Great Britain, oh Lord, Gee, Team GB. Team GB is just as strong in the Paralympics. Paralympics, very, very strong. 57. Ukraine, 37. 37. Ukraine, 37. Mm, now... Suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> You'd care to tease that out for me, Chris? <laughs> what do you mean? They lopping off arms? <laughs> <laughs> uh, off able-bodied athletes in time for the uh, for the Paralympics? Mm. 37. Um, somebody told me where that... Where are the Americans? Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Somebody told me that uh, Chernobyl has had a, an effect on birth defects in Ukraine. Oh. I think that's... And, and we're seeing the, the kids not, of Chernobyl now competing in Rio. In, in, correct, correct. I think that's right. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's as explained. Um, they've had uh, quite a... But, of course, you know... that they, That's a very difficult silver lining to draw around that nuclear cloud. <laughs> like, if you're saying, <laughs> no, no, sure, no. we lost a lot of people, a lot of kids are deformed, but, hey, look at our middle tally. <laughs> yeah, 20, in the Paralympics. I don't know, what are we, 30 yeah. years Is after... Is this the long I'm, payoff yeah. on um, some scientist who was responsible for that disaster. I think that's I think that's what they Well that's think. an interesting mm. that'd be in, fascinating if, they, if but I'm not sure how they get they go quite well Ukraine in able bodied Olympics. But not um, nothing like nothing this. Nothing like this. They're third in the world at the moment and look as though they're beating America quite easily by uh, America's got thirty four. Australia then fifth with seventeen. So that it is chunked up at the top. China, Great Britain, Ukraine, United States, an awful lot of medals there. Australia seventeen, Germany fifteen, Netherlands twelve, Brazil, home nation eleven, New Zealand nine, 
Italy 8, Nigeria 8. Nigeria, Nigeria's very, athletics. very successful in lifting events. Weightlifting? Yeah, the, historically, for some reason, I'm not quite sure why, Nigeria and Iran are very big in weightlifting. Um, you know, both able-bodied Olympics and, and um, you know, Paralympics. Well, speaking of weightlifting, um, oh, one of the yes, big the talking big. points of the Paralympics this week. Um, now, I'm not sure what country he's from. Iran. You, Iran. So, yep. Rahman. Um, yes, yes. Uh, now, this is a, just a great well, news story, isn't well, it? Well, he's entered the history books after competing what no other athlete has done before him. I mean, talk about the 1,500 metres as you like. He's lifted in the powerlifting more than 300 kilograms in the men's over 175 kilogram division. So he's lifted three times his, I'm not sure how much he weighs, but he's certainly lifted, um, you know, three times the uh, weight of the uh, yeah. level that he works in, that he competes in. Three times now. Is there a, is there a category above him? No, no he's, he's heavyweight. heavyweight. And, and, and what people need to know, he doesn't have any legs. So he doesn't he's double have any double amputee, yes. and so he'll lie on a bench, a bit like you might at a gymnasium bench pressing, but he yes. lies back and they bring the, the Bar barbell to him. to him and he pumps it up. Now, 300 kilos. Uh, you'll know more about uh, the, I'm not sure about that, but the anatomy involved in weightlifting than well, I do, but I, leg strength traditionally in uh, able-bodied Olympics is, is pretty much where you're getting a lot of your strength. So if you remove the leg from the equation and then he's he's lifted 300 kilograms this is an extraordinary feat i mean this is this is like all-time champion well it means that he could effectively lift three people in his division of weightlifting meaning they're all 100 kilograms and above 107 kilograms and above he can lift three competitors that is amazing when you think about it like yeah. that because these are huge people now the strongest paralympian uh, no match for his uh, competitors in the competition it was fantastic to see a record 310 kilograms i know he came into this on think on two either 275 or 295 he promised to go over the 300 it's a, a staggering 75 kilogram uh, above his gold medal level in 2012. It's even more incredible when you realise, as you pointed out, he has no legs. And according to coaches in the caper, legs play a vital role in successfully bench pressing large weights by allowing the lifter to leverage half of their body weight off through the the floor through their heels. This is a bit technical, mm. but the pressing down, it's yep. always yep. opposite direction, so they can push on the floor in order yeah. to lift above. He could use his back against the bench, presumably, That's to get right. the same... same. Try, try yeah. to. He's uh, obviously happy. He's boating the 300-kilogram strongest Paralympian. He wants to be an inspiration for all people with impairment who stay at home and don't lead an active life, and especially for the youth. Rahman's uh, amazing feat is just 20 kilograms less than... Uh, Kirill Sarachev's bench, record bench press of 335 set last year, and Rahman has set himself to target toppling the Russians' Ooh. mark. Ooh. But of course, um, Kirill Sarachev's is an able bodied athlete. That's incredible. That, that is was an extraordinary incredible. story. Um, extraordinary vision if you uh, want to check it out somewhere. I'm sure it's online and somewhere. The, um, the celebrations of the weightlifters need to be seen. The yeah. uh, coaches who are often um, in wheelchairs as well flop out of the wheelchairs and yeah. go absolutely oh, it's a party. It's a party. Yeah. And the lovely preparation on the Greek lifter who uh, 
uh, Pavlos, I think his name is, where he uh, has a routine where the the coach massages his temple and then sort of just either jags his beard to get him going and pull oh. him up or slaps him in the face. Yep. And the Pavlovs, of course, thinks, well, this is time to shine. And off he goes. Now, I love your, your observation that he could probably bench three of his competitors yeah. like humans rather than barbells. Is a time in the Olympics we started being Lifting a bit people. more yeah being a bit more creative well, about the things we get them to lift. I always find the barbell a bit predictable after a while, a bit samey. Shouldn't we be bringing in trucks or well, people like a dead whale carcass or something like this? <laughs> like kids could get involved and sort of nominate through no, a, an online or a hashtag or something like that what they want the weightlifters to lift. That that round, that particular uh, round. Uh, okay, you're absolutely right. Like, it, Raman's uh, obviously got, um, you know, weights on the barbell, but they, being a layperson in it, they could be kilogram weights. Do you know mm, what I mean? Because yes. they're obviously, there's two black ones, red one and yellow one. Now, people in the ca- who understand the caper will realise what that adds up to. They denote different weights, yeah. They're different weights on because of the colour, determined by the colour. But the difficulty is, is that you come to this and you just see him lie there and push things up. Yep. And you think, well, that's interesting, but then they add a more weight. It's not... Not televisual. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's not televisual. Whereas, as you point out, if you bought a couple of uh, Volkswagens in yes. and put them on a bar and got him to lift them up, which obviously he could, yeah. then that would be uh, way more interesting. And nominating the weight, what the weight is, is an excellent idea. Or even celebrities. So you could oh, get, so like wow. some, you know, a Bachelor contestant or something. If you could realise three Bachelorettes at weight between them, I don't know, 280. That's probably two wrong. Yeah, no, they'd, they'd be disappointed. The bachelorettes, <laughs> but let's say, yeah. you'd have maybe have to five five bachelorettes. bachelorettes. So you'd have three on one side of the bar. Oh, you'd have to have three on each side of the bar, and probably. then three yeah, just to be yeah. sort of equally weighted. And then yeah, yeah can, how many bachelorettes can they lift? <laughs> I mean, don't tell me that wouldn't get people interested. I'm Sam Moran, and you're listening to Kindling Kids Radio. <laughs> Bandits and outlaws, this is Radio on the Run, and you are packing down with repeat offenders on We Was Robbed. Hope you're having a very good weekend. You are with Chris Taylor and HG Nelson here on Kindling. Uh, We haven't talked tennis for a while. No, well, look, this is the most exciting development in tennis in, I I think... Since the invention of the racket. Well, that's a big call. <laughs> but um, the invention of the racket, yeah. What did they use in tennis before they invented the racket? Did they just play with their hands? Well, there must have been some version of it. Because Royal Tennis, Royal pre- tennis. predates our and sort Hampton of tennis. Hampton Court. Yeah. Now, how Hampton did that Court. work? Well, that does, it was played with rackets. Square rackets. Yeah, I assume with that they originally were made out of wood or something, like more like a beach bat idea. I may be wrong about that. I'm just not sure when they started stringing cat gut. Uh, round a frame. Is that what That's it is? A, originally it was. Yeah, originally right. it was. Um, and um, on, a, on, on a wooden frame. Now, of course, they're uh, carbon fibre yes. and nylon strings and all sorts. But how about this? Um, Leighton Hewitt, no. our Davis Cup captain and coach, won't stand in Nick Kyrgios's way if Australian tennis great walks away and makes good on his promise to pursue a, a, a professional basketball career. Curios, curios. Yeah, this what? is. I don't know how much strength there is. Oh, Mister Headline, I don't want to hang around. Curios says 
that it got me intrigued. I thought, well, who right. does? <laughs> but uh, Bernard Tomic appears to have revealed uh, where that may, you know, was spilling the beans after the match that gave Australia a 2-0 lead in Australia's Davis Cup tie against Slovakia. And I think I'm right in saying if we beat Slovakia, we return to what's called the world group, so we don't have to go through all the qualification okay. again. We can stay in the top, the top flight. He's playing in an all-star game next year in the States. Hopefully he can score a few points. If Tomic's mail is correct, Kyrgios will play in the NBA All-Star Weekend Celebrity Event, uh, one which includes retired NBA players and those who have made uh, their name in other sports and in the world of entertainment. Uh, Sarah Silverman, Kevin Hart, Jason Sudeikis, and tennis players Evgeny Bouchard and Milos Raon. I'll never get his name right. Rayonich have graced the course in recent years. The latest news uh, on Kyrgios comes after he gave Australia the dream start uh, yesterday at uh, in uh, Sydney. Uh, well, I'm only playing for another four year, four or five years. He mumbled when asked about Australia's uh, you know prospects of heading the Davis Cup tilt. Kyrgios's pledge comes after the controversial star raised eyebrows last month when he revealed to the New York Times he planned to be retiring by 27. The age of 27. Uh, Hewitt is unsure how how serious his curios is. And he wants to take up basketball. Mm. Mm. Now, what are his b-ball skills like? Well, Tommy, who often plays basketball with curios, said the teammate had been invited to feature in the NBA Stars. Hopefully score a few points. Spotted by talent scouts. Asked to step up for... Now I'm going to struggle for uh, the New York Knicks, is it? Are they the basketball team? Oh, um, yeah. Yes, the Knicks. Uh, that'd be great. A tight fit, I would have thought. Kyrgios turning out for the Knicks. One thing that worries me, though, slightly, is that basketballers tend to be quite a bit taller than, on average, than, than Kyrgios. Kyrgios. Oh, is that right? he's, not, that he's not short. No, he's not short. And he could be a point guard or something like that. Look, um, how unprecedented would this be? Like how many, I mean, we talk a lot on this show about code hopping, um, which is something I think Jared Hayne has really brought to the fore. Are there any examples of anyone going from professional tennis to professional basketball? Well, as you know, I've always advocated the other way. I think rugby league players would make excellent tennis players. Yeah. And um, we do have in the... Good umpires too. Correct. Uh, in the Paralympics, we have the, uh, for instance... Uh, oh, they all code hop, don't they? They tend to They've jump around at a great rate. Often at the same Olympics. They're, like You get athletes competing in two different, completely different sports. So Dylan Alcott, who was a basketballer, now is a dominant tennis player and in fact won gold in, our, in our Rio. In our, oh, so he's done the, he's done the, the jump. switch the other way. He's gone the other way. So he's is Kyrgios talking to this Alcott chap? And... Oh, I suppose so. He's a roller. So um, in 2008, the gold medal in Beijing as a roller, uh, but it was uh, time for something else he felt. He'd played tennis as a junior, I think, uh, soon enough for the tennis game. It was an ideal. I was I was 10. He, uh, well, that's his partner, uh, you know, in the doubles. But um, what he's done is come to tennis. He cites a six-hour tra- training regime as to why they're champions at the moment in the doubles. This is with Davidson, his partner. Uh, Heath Davidson, so Dylan Alcott and Heath Davidson won the gold and then Dylan Alcott backed up a day later and won the, the uh, gold again in the yeah, singles. Terrific. So it is possible uh, to come from basketball into tennis, but Kyrgios is going able-bodied the other way. But I think... I th- able-bodied for now. <laughs> <laughs> If flops and fiascos, botches and breakdowns are your go, We Was Robbed is your show. 
Um, yes. Now, uh, HG, we've just got uh, 15 more minutes left. Now, we flagged at the top of the show. Uh, we were talking about the Paralympics and how a lot of the athletes have guides. Um, you know, the blind, the blind runners have a guide to run beside them. Even in the 100 metres, where you would have thought the instruction from the guide is as simple as run straight ahead for 10 seconds, then stop. Even they have a guide running with them, and we wondered whether we could um, expand the role of the guide into other sports, and we were suggesting rugby league players could all have a kind of moral guide well, on their shoulder as they pack down into a scrum, or even if they just have a moment of self-doubt or uh, a crisis of confidence, that just someone to talk to for pastoral care, school chaplain style. Um, and this got us thinking and um, also honing in on a story this week that kind of touches on these issues, doesn't it? it, it excellent introduction. Um, you know, obviously, in the empty stands of Pepper Stadium, in the confines of the Penrith dressing room, under the spotlight of the stadium lights, the pa- Panthers are winning on a prayer. This is the team that's taking on the Canberra, on the Canberra Raiders, Raiders tomorrow, or today rather. A preseason pack to play together and pray together has brought a large group of players closer together, reading Bible verses and praying as a group as they continue their impressive charge deep into the finals. Now, what people forget is the burden of being a rugby league player. You know, you, you've got all these duties. Look at Jason yeah. Tamalolo this week. To promote rugby league after a big win, he had to go and egg cars. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's nothing that was told to him by Todd Greenberg in a, you know, NRL house. It's nothing that was told to him by his coach. He took on this burden yes. himself to go and egg a few cars, hopefully ask, get the police around to come and take yep. him away and say, listen, Jason, put that dirty dozen back in the fridge for the time being. Yeah, make an omelette. <laughs> so what happens is, is that we have this great burden of players playing rugby league, then thinking about the burden of promoting rugby league in a time when the AFL is making great encroachments into the heartland of rugby league, Mm. uh, of the burden of training, of injury, of uh, defeat, of, you know, getting bagged out by the coach, the media, having to front the media and explain what you were doing then, why were you egging the cars? Well, I was egging the cars because I wanted to promote rugby league. You have to turn to somebody, Chris, somebody. You do. And so getting together with a group of buddies and thinking, well... The meek will inherit the earth. That's not bad. Uh, That's something we can hang a hat on to. We're not sure what a meek is, but we think they're going to inherit the earth. So let's go with that for the time being. You beauty, let's go and bash up those Canberra radios and show them who's the boss. That sort of thing. Is that how it works? I think so. And And remember, of course, these players. You've got God on your side. That's an enormous, Philip. And and remember, you know, the players, the burden, the the repetition of activity, the passing endlessly to the players to the left and to the right and then running up and getting tackled again and getting knocked over. But remember, of course, and you're only earning about 150,000 a year to do this. I know. That's the thing. Oh, they're doing it for pittance. (laughs) There's something almost... Um, monastic, monastic about, about being a rugby league, league player, yeah, 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 like the the repetition, the the vows, the mm. commitment to a sport and to your fellow player. Moving into the same it's motel, like, moving to the same motel, yeah, and in yeah, many ways, the Ibis Narada is the monastery of rugby league. <laughs> of rugby league, and players are but servants and monks uh, worshiping at the great uh, game that is rugby league and I can see parallels I can see why a lot of players do sort of have a spiritual hunger a spiritual appetite and a need uh, to address some of the great theological questions because they are monks and Saint Sticky can't answer all 
you know, all the questions. I mean, he's a rugby league's first saint, obviously, uh, but he can't answer them all. And so appealing through Sticky to a higher power, mm. I think it's a very good thing if they were, obviously, the Canberra Raiders were so inclined. Exactly. They may not be so inclined. Now, with Penrith, um, is the prayer group compulsory or only for those no. of faith? Because I'm just worried in this multi-faith society we find ourselves in, you might even call it a secular society, is there conflict if some people are packing down into a prayer scrum and others and others aren't? Is it one in all in motel style or you're allowed to have freedom of religion at Penrith? You appear to be able to come and go. They're, not everybody does it. Um, they come from distant Christian denominations but have united under the, well, the what I describe as the banner of football, the banner of rugby league. Uh, the pathway of rugby league, and um, they're um, you know obviously all in tune with the same with the same big bearded bloke upstairs. Um, they wander away on Sundays to the various uh, you know gatherings elsewhere, but then you know come together as a group. Uh, as the group who do that, you can see obviously in the photo there's a lot of people who don't uh, get down on the bended knee necessarily and uh, have a have a think about the meek inheriting the earth at the end of a match. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, they're a meek inheriting the earth, and now I'm completely stuck on what the other Beatitudes are. Uh, well, that was part of the Sermon on the Mount, wasn't it? I right, think. That's pretty good. You've gone further than me. Yeah, the meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers. Ah, uh, the peacemakers, yes. yes. Rugby league, a great peacemaker. Oh, one of the greatest. Mm. After mm. Super League, I know all that was <laughs> dealt with. <laughs> We was robbed. Just two blokes on a stool with yesterday's back pages spread out between them. Are you there, Skipper? I am indeed. Uh, Chris Taylor and HG Nelson here with you as we go in some more footy finals this weekend. Secret weapons, uh, obviously the motel, one secret weapon, but Brisbane has, uh, well, sadly, uh, a belief in a system that'll give them a secret edge. A winning edge didn't prove to be the case, even though it was an excellent game. Uh, Broncos have been trialling a world's first technology, external counterpulsation. Mm. This is in a bid to help them recover, uh, you know, quickly. They, they lie down, the players lie down on a, a bed, and then they're wrapped up in sort of electrical, mm. uh, you know... Wiring? Wiring, I suppose, contained in, you know, something like a, a sleeve that might test your blood blood pressure, yeah. the device which costs about 60000 usually only available in cardiac rehabilitation units, is attached to players via pressure cuffs, as they're called, and placed around the calves, thighs and buttocks while they're sitting on a bed or lying on a bed. To our knowledge... Now, when it's straight off, when they're straight off the field, or they're allowed no, to have a shower and a meal and then... Come in for Like 8 o'clock that night. External counter-pulsation, ECP... It gives them great recovery, waiting to retain an ed- wanting to retain an edge. The Bronco- Broncos uh, have been uh, using this technology. Uh, the University of Queensland sports science guru, and for- I love the use of the term guru, guru in anything, and former Rabbitohs strength conditioning coach Vince Kelly opened up about how the Broncos have been benefited from using the machine. Adrian Prasenko got this for Fairfax, uh, 15 and 20 minutes at a time. Uh, Vince VK said, to our knowledge, the Broncos are the only sporting team in the world to have trialled this. It's actually pulsating with your heartbeat, so it's compressing the muscle rhythmically with your heartbeat to increase blood flow. There's been so much concentration in previous decades around trialling to get, uh, training to get faster or fitter or stronger, and the recovery has been overlooked to an extent. Mm. Vince has spotted that gap. The NRL is extremely demanding, dot, 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 on it goes. The ECP, could your club use one? I think so. 
That is an extraordinary uh, development, isn't it? The first how, in the world. How many minutes do you need hooked up? They to say line fifteen up on... to twenty minutes at a time. I'm so not to sure do a how whole many team, bursts. We're talking a couple of hours there. A couple of hours, and in the motel, it'll oh. be a winner. Well, imagine if you hooked yourself up to that in a motel while praying to the big man upstairs. You'd be absolutely dead cert to win a premiership every single year. Look, I'm afraid we're out of time. Uh, the meter tells me we've got no no time left, uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure. HG, what are your weekend plans? Well, football, football and more football. It's a, a, there's two, a great AFL match. Uh, Swans, of course, for the Adelaide Crows. It's a battle of the birds at the SCG and then the Rugby League, obviously, the Panthers and the Raiders. Oh, yeah, right. Do I need more? It's all ahead of us. Thank you for your company. Thank you to Lenita Steer for joining us and giving us a fascinating Fascinating insight into the world of orienteering. That's something I'm going to be trying this weekend. But until we next meet, I've been Chris Taylor. He's been H.G. Nelson. We'll see you again at 8 o'clock next Saturday on Kindling Kids Radio. That's it for this week, robbers. The boys will be back next Saturday from 8am. Remember, you can relive all the action by heading to our website, kindling.com.au.